Hmm. I wonder, do you have, maybe have to change the setting on the computer? Oh, wait, oh. Oh, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> what did you do, wait, Brian? Can you hear me now? Can you yes, hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, it was on mute, my microphone. <laughs> oh, that's the thing about the Yeti is that if you don't unclick that button in the center or whatever, yeah, it just this, like mutes. This button. Yeah. Well, it well, automatically starts off as mute. What's great is we've been recording this whole time. So we have that on, on record. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yes, it's on you. mute. Uh, notes all those podcasters out there uh, <laughs> unmute your microphone hello and welcome to the hollywood hustle podcast we're for the last 77 episodes over 19 months and two seasons and getting ready for our third season we have shared the stories and struggles of actors, screenwriters, directors, producers, casting directors, theater owners, social media experts, voiceover artists, and more to tell you what it's like to live and work in the city of dreams, Los Angeles. Guys, welcome to the Hollywood Hustle Podcast. We are so excited for season three. It is so close. We can taste it. We can feel it. We have recorded already, I think, four interviews for it. We've, we've scheduled several more for the beginning of the year. We are so excited to bring you more uh, stories of people working hard, grinding, doing the work, uh, uh, living in Los Angeles to achieve their dreams. We have so many wonderful people for season three. We have a creative executive. We have a producer. We have uh, potentially another social media expert coming on. We have uh, a writer and director. We have someone from New Zealand, hopefully coming on. We, it's crazy, guys. Uh, so I'm super pumped. Michael is super pumped for season three. Uh, we hope you guys are as well. We have so many great things coming in this new season, new format, uh, a new way of really talking to the, to our guests and and getting more out of them. It's called torture. Uh, we're, we're testing it out. We'll see how it works. Just kidding. Uh, we have so many wonderful things, guys, and so excited. We also have a Kickstarter that's going to be jumping out uh, at the beginning of the year. We hope you guys can donate to support the cause uh, so we can grow this podcast even more and venture out into new uh, platforms and avenues uh, and just create more things. And that's what we want to do for you guys, including merchandise, which we're, working, we're looking at as well. So last week, you heard Michael's choice for one of his favorite episodes for season two, Inside the Podcasting hustle uh, inside podcasting with the guys from Inside Acting Podcast, AJ Meyer and Trevor Agat. I'll tell you what, if Michael hadn't chosen that one, I would have. That was one of my favorite episodes by far. It was so great to sit down with these guys who have done this for 300 episodes. They've talked to so many actors, some multiple times, and getting new information out of them every time. And it was so interesting to hear their story of their start and their struggles as they they pursued this platform and to to kind of have that new and old meld together and uh they had so such great things to say about our podcast which we were so flattered to hear uh and of course we had amazing things obviously to say about their podcast and it was definitely one of my funnest conversations trevor and aj are just amazing people and if you haven't, check out Inside the uh, Inside Acting Podcast. It is amazing. You will not regret it. The episodes are usually about an hour long, um, about 30 minutes usually of intro with them catching up on their careers and their struggles uh, and then going into the guest interview. And they usually do about two or three parts. So check it out. It's really great. But today is my turn, my week, and I get to pick one of my favorite episodes. And I decided to go a little different this week. Instead of picking someone in the entertainment industry, I thought it would be uh, beneficial to replay one of our conversations that kind of dealt more with a broader topic of social media. The, earlier this year, we, we met and interviewed Brian Peters, who is a leader at the social media platform Buffer, which is a third-party app to help you schedule and post and kind of keep you going with your social media and your marketing and he also hosts a podcast sponsored by Buffer called The Science of Social Media with Haley Griffith. It is a fantastic podcast. If you get a chance, check it out. The episodes usually run anywhere between like 20 minutes to 30 minutes. They're just a ton of great information. A lot of times from uh, different uh, experiments and 
uh, research that they do as well as they get other people, uh, social media and marketing experts to give their opinions about a lot of things as well. So definitely check it out if you haven't, The Science of Social Media. In this episode, we talked about social media. We talked about how to schedule your social media, how to look at social media so you don't get flustered and flummoxed and how to deal with the idea of a personal and a professional uh, uh, social media account. We talk about Brian's uh, traversing from city to city and as well how he got into marketing and what he loves about marketing so much as well as the podcast. It's a fun interview. It was just a a ton of fun to talk to him. Uh, So yeah, check it out. Here it is. Our interview with Brian Peters. We will see you guys January 8th. That's when we should be releasing our first side hustle of the year. Uh, It's on Tuesday, which is for a reason, which we'll probably talk more. If you've been listening, you'll know why. But uh, we'll talk. We'll talk about it again on January eighth. You guys have a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate. Enjoy it with family, with friends, with your dog, whatever. We hope you have the best holiday possible. A happy New Year. We also, if you have any resolutions that you're working on for the new year, send them to us. Hollywood Hustle Podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on iTunes. If you feel like it, leave us a review. That's always helpful. Tell your friends about us. Uh, you can check us out on Instagram at Hollywood Hustle Podcast, on Twitter at LA Hustlecast, and on Facebook, Hollywood Hustle Podcast. Uh, on Instagram, I am Daniel Tuttle, T U T T E L, and on Twitter as well. You can find Michael at Michael Lutheran on Instagram and Twitter as well as well. Also, so as well as well. so, guys, enjoy this conversation, this wonderful buffer replay of our conversation with the one. The only, the man from Buffer, Brian Peters. We've done it, guys. We have moved towards the future. Today, we are interviewing someone sitting currently in a completely different time zone. Coming to us via Google Hangouts is the digital marketing strategist for the social media scheduling and posting app Buffer and the co-host of their popular podcast, Science of Social Media. Working in the marketing field for seven years, Brian has become a wealth of knowledge that he is always willing to share. He even has a class on the popular online course website, Skillshare.com. He can be seen giving talks at Marketing Profs and Social Media Marketing World. He also has recently started a newsletter called The Thinker Newsletter, where they explore topics to get you thinking. Some are about building good habits and some about productivity and others. Ladies and gents, please welcome our new friend, Brian G. Peters. <laughs> what an intro. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you. Thanks for coming on and thanks for previously looking at our social media and completely uh, letting us know how, what garbage it was and how much how much we need to improve on it. <laughs> I'm Always pretty the sure the exact standard. words I said. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the exact words I used were it could use some work. It wasn't garbage. <laughs> that's that's the nice guy way of saying. It's like saying that's interesting. <laughs> it's it's like you guys have profiles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're on there. Congratulations. <laughs> yes. You're doing stuff. Um, so real quick, Brian, just kind of give us a background on where you're from, your family, uh, you know, where you grew up. Just kind of go into that for a second. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Th- thanks again for having me on the podcast. Big fans of what you all are doing. Um, yeah. But like you said, my name is Brian Peters and I am from Westlake Village, California. Westlake Village. Of, yep. Represent North North Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, Represent that Westlake Village life. See, we're able to bring in the Hollywood hustle somehow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah, so I'm I'm from a family of five. My mom and dad are uh, both insurance brokers, and so sort of grew up around sales my entire life. And I went to school in Westlake. Uh, kind of grew up playing baseball. Big fan of the Dodgers. Um, really, really can't stress Dodger fans enough. So all my LA Dodger fans out there. Uh, but yeah, so grew up in a small family. Um, yeah, like, like I said, my parents, um, sort of raised me with this mindset to work your ass off at all times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, in, in sales and in, in marketing, you kind of have to have a certain personality for it. Uh, you have to kind of have an outgoing personality that's not afraid to talk to anybody. Do you feel that you got that from your parents or is that something that you've cultivated on your own as you've grown up? Yeah, I think I think a bit of it, you know, 
have to give some credit to my mom and dad. They're both very outgoing and great salespeople. And so, yeah, I think a bit of it comes from that. And I think a bit of it just kind of grows up in that environment and it kind of happens naturally by the people you hang out with and the, the sort of the environment you put yourself in. But yeah, I went into sales after I graduated college and insurance and was pretty good at it. Obviously I'm in marketing now, so there's a reason I got out of sales, but uh, yeah, it, it, I think that that mindset to like not let what other people think of you definitely helps. So like, I think that personality trait is is definitely why sales was pretty good to me for a while. Now, when you were growing up, what were your passions as a kid? What were you into? What were your hobbies and your interests? Yeah. So as a kid, uh, like I said, sports for sure. But then a lot of times it, it had to do with, I was really big into movies and into actors for some reason. I just had like this, I mean, Will Smith is still one of my favorite actors of all time. I, I even wrote a 10 page paper about him in college, but <laughs> wow. I think Wait, this, this, what was this 10 page yeah. paper about? <laughs> Why Miami is so okay, welcoming. I'm going <laughs> I'm to drop my thesis on you right now. <laughs> yes. Okay. We only have an hour. Will Smith is one of the best. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I I argue that Will Smith is one of the greatest of all time in the, I guess you would call showbiz industry, because he's one of the few people that has success, successfully gone from TV actor to rapper to movie star. And there's not a lot of people that can say that. Actually, that is a really, really good point. And he's been able to do it seamlessly. Seamlessly. Yes. And, you know, without like, and he can even go from comedy to action to drama. No problem. Like there was that uh, period where he was doing uh, the pursuit of happiness and then seven pounds. And then, you know, next thing you know, he's doing another action film mm -hmm. and he can just do it. So yeah. when did the interest in digital you know, marketing or marketing in general kind of come for you? You know, it, I didn't even think about marketing as a job until my wife, Caitlin, introduced me to the fact. So when I was working in sales after college, I was pretty good at an insurance salesman. And it wasn't until Caitlin said, hey, like, do you actually like doing sales? And I was like, eh, I mean, it makes me money. And so she actually introduced me to a professor over at the college that I went to in San Luis Obispo, California, Cal Poly. And, okay. and she said, well, you know, there's an entry level position at the university there. Would you like to basically take over as social media manager? And I was like, okay, yeah, as long as it gets me out of sales, I'm into it. And naturally <laughs> that was in 2012. Uh, since then, obviously I haven't looked back, but I, I think that at first I didn't even think about marketing or, or sort of social media as a career path. And it kind of just fell on my lap. And, and now I'm starting to realize all of the awesome things that come with the career. So that was pretty much like Facebook and Twitter at that time, right? That, those were like the two main ones during that time. I think Snapchat was maybe well, a couple years away still. Yeah. Yeah. So, so thinking back on a 2012, I think was the first year that Snapchat was like, are you going to send me like a naked picture? Like, so oh, 2012 that's was, when it was for dirty. That's when it was like, just for like to yeah, private yeah. picture yeah. type yeah. Snapchat. Yeah. Right. It wasn't until 2014 that Snapchat was like, oh, maybe businesses should be on Snapchat. But mm -hmm. yeah. So I think when I started social media in 2012, 13, it was very much Facebook. It was Twitter, uh, LinkedIn was very still personal, not business related really at all. Um, and then Instagram was just bursting onto the scene as well. So what other, you know, you had this the kind of this entry level job running someone's social media account. What other jobs did you have before you kind of arrived at Buffer or was it kind of you did that and then got the job at Buffer? Yeah. So good question. So it was pretty much sales and then Buffer or sorry, it went sales with the insurance company, marketing with the university and then Buffer. But I think when I got introduced to marketing, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much to learn. There's so much to do. And you can only branch out at your current position, uh, you know, where you are as much as they let you. So they were letting me do social media. They were letting me do a few things, but I was like, okay, I want to learn other things too. So I started teaching myself Photoshop. I started freelance writing for a bunch of different blogs uh, for free. I started and I was like, give me everything you possibly can. And if the university that I was working at can't give it to me, then I'm going to freelance for free for other people just so I can learn the stuff. Right. That's fantastic. Now you, you've moved around quite a bit. It seems like I know you, you live obviously up in Wood, uh, 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 Westlake village. village. I was gonna say Woodland Hills, Westlake village. And then I know you lived <laughs> in Canada or worked from Canada for a little bit. Um, and now I know you're in Denver. Are those kind of the three main places you've been or where else have you moved to? Yeah. So I'm fortunate enough at Buffer to be able to what the new hip term is digital nomad. And so my wife and I, over the past year and a half have been like digital nomading. <laughs> yeah. I got my, my computer got a digital nomad. I can't, I can't do anything. <laughs> it is a, it's a serious disease though, because once you start, you can't stop. Uh, 
so we got married, my wife and I got married in San Luis Obispo where we were living and working in 2016. And, and then we're like, you know, let's get out of here. Let's adventure since we both have these remote careers. And so, yeah, we started in, in Vancouver, British Columbia, which is an incredible city, highly recommended if you've never been. And then we moved from there to uh, Chicago and then Chicago to New York, New York to San Diego, San Diego to San Francisco area, and then San Francisco to Denver. Wait. And so just so our listeners know, you were in San Luis Obispo in 2016, and then all of those cities between 2017 and now? <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. So I think oh, six wow. or seven different cities in a year and a half or so. And wow. we're, we're proud to say that we're, yeah, <laughs> proud to say that we're semi settled in Denver. But now <laughs> that we're actually settled here, we're starting to get the travel itch again. So it's. A- <laughs> I'm curious because a lot of our listeners are obviously people who live outside of Los Angeles, outside of California. And so often will they talk to us about how do you prepare to move? Um, Now, as someone who had to live in many cities over the course of a year and a half, how did you and your wife plan that? How did you guys go about strategizing? uh, First of all, like I guess finances, like to afford to move to these cities, but then also how did you get integrated with that community as well once you were there? (laughs) <laughs> that is a loaded question. Okay, let me see yes, if I can answer I'll try that to break in this one down. minute. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it quickly and efficiently. I want you uh, to write a ten-page uh, 10 essay, just yeah, like you did, yeah, Will Smith. Yeah. If you want to follow up, let me know. So, <laughs> uh, I have three tips for you. Number one is that if you're thinking about moving, get rid of as much stuff as you possibly can, and don't worry, you won't actually miss the stuff. I promise. Uh, number two is that don't get caught up in the hype of oh, we have to buy a home one day. Uh, because it's not necessarily true. You don't necessarily have to buy a home to be happy. And so my wife and I kind of realized that and we're very happy renting at the moment. And then number three is, um, yeah, when you get to these new cities, it's actually kind of lonely because you don't know anyone. And so, you know, join networking groups and join meetups. And when we were in British uh, Columbia, we would do a lot of volleyball on the weekend. We'd join meetup groups. So yeah, I think the two, three tips are, yeah, like don't worry about the stuff, get rid of it and be limber, if you will. Second is, is, uh, spend, spend the money you have on things that are going to make you happy, not necessarily what other people you have to have. And number three is, is join meetups and and do everything you can to to network. I think that's fantastic. And so, so concise, well done. (laughs) We can tell you work with Twitter a lot. (laughs) That was, I believe that was under 144, 140 characters, or 280 characters. (laughs) 280. Yeah. So, um, so one of the things we do talk about, which now that, you know, finding out recently that you're originally from this area, what would you say after moving, you know, Vancouver, Chicago, especially, you know, Chicago, New York, the big players, San Francisco, um, which I've been to every one of the cities that you've mentioned. I uh, went to Vancouver recently for a wedding uh, and it was Excellent. so nice. And I love New York. My wife's family's from Chicago. Um, so just definitely I've, the only place I haven't been is Denver. Um, what would you say makes the L.A. area unique compared to the rest? Yes, that's a really good question. Um it has, I, what I love to think about it like is that it has a very, it has the same motivational vibe and drive that a city like New York or Chicago has, but you're on the beach. So you also get the sort of surfer laid back sort of, uh, I guess, balance that a lot of the New Yorkers and East Coast and big city people, quote unquote, big city people don't have. So you get both perspectives. You get the people who don't, you grind, you grind, 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 you know, in cities, which you get in Los Angeles, but then you also get this beautiful nature aspect that I don't think a lot of cities have that you can remove yourself from the hustle, I guess, in the daily grind when you need to. No, absolutely. There's so many opportunities, even like in the city to get away from the city, which is so rare for big cities like this that are so expansive. Um, And also like every spot, in this area is different. Like going to Sherman Oaks is a lot different from going to NoHo and going from NoHo to, you know, Silver Lake is a lot different. So it's, compl- mm-hmm. it's so interesting, which is, makes it a perfect place to film in a lot of ways. Cause you can have so many different sceneries and, and backgrounds. Right. You know, um, exactly. Exactly. So, so you do a lot of freelance blogging. Uh, you talk at several, I mentioned earlier, several different uh, conventions and, and marketing uh, get togethers how do you prepare for those? How do you prepare, you know, so many blogs? I know you blog a lot for Buffer. Uh, you know, how do you organize that and always have content? And also, how do you prepare for those talks to make sure you're giving valuable advice in the certain time that you have? Because I'm sure you have like a, you know, one you two hour or two hour spot. How do you make sure you get the best and present it accurately? 
Yeah, that's a really good one. And I think it's still something I'm, I'm learning every day. And I, for the first part, for the prepare parts is that I don't try to make any of it up myself. I learn from people who have gone before me and I, I, I try to take inspiration from everywhere I can. So I read a lot of different publications, the, you know, Fast Company, New Yorker, HuffPost, Business Insider, Forbes, like all of the, all of the publications and, and obviously individual people too. Um, so I, I try to, when I'm preparing, I don't make stuff up as I go. I'm very like habitual and, and I, I try to make sure to take the best advice and, and practices from everybody else. Now, when it comes to actually like regurgitating that information into something valuable in a short amount of time, uh, I'm still trying to actually hone that craft because it's very, very hard. I think you have two types of speakers in the world and you have two types of writers. They're the, they're the speaker writers that write very, motive, like they're almost motivational, right? Like they write that makes you want to take action, even though it might not be based in any sort of like factual stuff. They, they have like this air about them that you makes you want to follow them. And then there are other writers and speakers that are all facts and data. And that's what makes them great, right? They, they can spit out a statistic in a second and you'll be, Oh my gosh, that guy's so smart. Or that girl's so smart because she knows like all these awesome things. So I think what I'm trying to do is find like, am I a motivational speaker or am I a statistics guy or like, mm. what is my thing? And I think that's still a work, a work in progress right now. I think that's so interesting that you, you kind of talk about like, you've got to find your brand. You've got to find like, all right, what's, where do you fit in in the categories of speaking, which is very similar to podcasts or writing, uh, you know, what genre do you fit into, which also helps kind of focus where, where your message goes, what's the main message of whatever you're speaking about. Yeah, exactly. And I, that, I mean, that's a really good point. It probably can't be stressed enough and you could probably do an entire podcast series on branding. I think one I was talking to Everett Taylor, who is one of my sort of early on mentors at Buffer. And, and he was saying that the the importance of a brand isn't so you can make money or so you can get in retweets on Twitter. It's so that no matter where you go with your career, you have that loyal audience who follows you. So like, let's say uh, like Everett, for example, was working at like, I think this, this app and he like grew this app together, but he built his brand in a way that he was able to then take his following and then move to a car company and still be just as good and bring that following with him. So he was like, like niche agnostic almost, or like I would say industry agnostic. He had built what he was passionate about, built the fans around him. And now no matter where he goes in his career, he has those people with him. I, I think that's also very true for actors and kind of to go back towards your thesis for Will Smith. Uh, one of the reasons why he's so successful is because he's been able to sustain his following from all the different levels of his career. I don't think of him as the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air because I think of him from Independence Day. That's when I got cut on to Will Smith. You, oh, Daniel was Fresh Prince? Fresh Prince all the way. <laughs> but then, you know, <laughs> if you were there for him when he was a rapper and then you saw him get into movies, there's that also interest when you shift, I think, types in a way that there's that natural curiosity of like, oh, can they do this? And then when they nail it, then right. yeah, I'm on board. Mm -hmm. I'm only a rapper. Right. You know, and he wasn't like, I'm only an actor. He's going to do, I'm going to experiment and I'm going to have fun with it. And like, this is who I am. And if you don't like me or you don't want to come along with my journey, then you could stay back with rapper will, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to TV yeah. or something, you know? Right. And I think that's also key is that obviously establishing your brand, but not feeling confined mm -hmm. by it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I try to write, like, for example, I try to write on a variety of topics because I haven't necessarily, like, I think a lot of people go into like brand building and they're like, oh, okay. My brand is healthcare. Like I'm all about healthcare. Like that's my thing. And then they get into it and they're like, ah, I'm not really that passionate about healthcare. <laughs> like I would say you go into it thinking I'm going to try a bunch of different stuff and I'm going to write about uh, politics one day. I'm going to write about healthcare the next day. And like, once I find something that I like, maybe I'll stick to it then, but I'm not going to just like dedicate. I'm not going to call, I'm not going to pre-call myself something before mm -hmm. I get there. Might I suggest Will Smith? <laughs> <laughs> what if all your blogs, just every blog always went back to Will Smith well, in some form or fashion? I mean, presidents, <laughs> right? They'll have their uh, biographers who go to them specifically. You could be Will Smith's biographer. There you go. Why not? <laughs> His ghostwriter. Well, you know, you know why I wouldn't do that, though? Because I... I I only need one sentence to say why Will Smith's the greatest of all time. You know, there's only so many things I can write about. But see, you have that sentence written on a 300-page book, like every single page. 
It's just over right, uh, right. You know, Jack, no work, no play makes Jack a dull boy. Yeah. But it's Will Smith is the greatest actor and great, greatest yeah. mind of our time. Like it's like the chalkboard in movies. We're just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or at the beginning <laughs> of Simpsons. Simpsons. Yeah. 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 Um, so I just want to touch real quick. I mentioned in the intro about your Skillshare class. Um, can you just kind of tell us what it is and what people learn from it? And, uh, and kind of, you know, if, if you've learned anything new or if you could go back and add anything, what you would add to it. Ah, gosh, I, I'm so, I'm glad you asked about the Skillshare class. Cause that was one of my favorite projects of 2017 and 18. Um, yeah, so I think on an actual tactical level, what I learned was that uh, if, if courses are such an incredible value for your audience, they're also incredibly hard to create. Like Skillshare flew me out there. They put me up. They like brought me into the office. We shot about eight to nine hours worth of film back to back to back. So this was and like then, professionally done by Skillshare. This wasn't you oh, recording yeah. yourself. They kind of, you, were you invited <laughs> by them or did you submit it to them and they kind of accepted it? Yeah. So very luckily we were invited from okay. by them, by Scott. He's great. Um, yeah. So, and then their whole team edited it and it like came out all professional looking. Um, so what I think what I've learned tactfully from the Skillshare class is that as an entrepreneur, if you think about, uh, you know, building a class for your audience or whatever it is, highly consider outsourcing the entire thing. So, cause it could be a month, couple month long project. Mm -hmm. I think in terms of the Skillshare class on a, on a theme base and like what we actually learned about social media is that I, I think that at, if you're, t if you're an entrepreneur and your, your, your content is education and you're trying to educate people on a certain field, I think what I learned from this is that you have to remember that a lot of people are just beginning out. Like a majority of our audience at buffer, they're not like, deep Facebook ad experts. They're not like, I don't, they, a lot of them don't even have social media strategies. We're pointing to ourselves. So <laughs> <laughs> I've called Brian more so, times than I've called any other guest, and I feel terrible about it, but he has been so nice. <laughs> uh, just as an aside, there's been so many times where I've been at work. I work in a medical office as my day job and Daniel will be like, Michael, I need to talk to you. <laughs> so I'll go down when I'm getting the mail and it's like, hey, Daniel, what's what's wrong? Is it a, what what happened? And it's like, I talked to Brian. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to delete our whole Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, you guys are you guys are doing great things since we chatted and before, too. Like it was all good before. But yeah, like a lot of people in your audience. I think a lot of times we as like educators, if you will, or podcasters, whatever it is like, and this is going to I don't want this to come off mean or anything, but I, I, we overestimate how much we think our audience knows. And a lot of times they just want to like, they want to get in, they want to get to know the basics. They want support to know that they're not in this alone. And I think that's one of the biggest Skillshare takeaways for me was that like a class, like social media strategy what to me is sort of like this must have for every business. And it's like, yeah, everybody has a social media strategy that, class I think has like 8,000 students and like 400 positive reviews. And it, it's like ended up being one of the best Skillshare classes of 2017 on their platform. And it's just a reminder to me like, oh, that's right. Like, don't forget about the majority of your community who's just trying to learn and are just starting out. Right. That's fantastic. And that's awesome that like, and, and if you want a fun game, go watch YouTube videos about Skillshare and see if you can spot Brian's class. Cause I saw it on a on another YouTuber's <laughs> post about Skillshare. And I was like, I took a screenshot and sent it to him. Uh, I was just kind of like, Hey, I know that guy. Um, so real quick, I, I had a, a friend of ours, a friend of the show, Kurt mega. He teaches at a, uh, um, an acting studio and he recently did a class on social media and branding for actors. And he said that he had a lot of parents come in, uh, in place of their children because they wanted to get some advice for their kids. And one of the issues he had, and I want to see maybe your work around this, um, when this happens was he would try to you know explain to them about you need to know your brand and know who you are. And that's really the first step is like knowing who you are to know what you need to post. And they were like, well, what does he need to post to get a ton of followers? How does he become an influencer? How does he get 50,000 followers in like a year? Like, and so he was just getting these like questions that would be in a, probably in a class would be like step, you know, 15, step 20, you know, how, how do you, um, what advice do you have someone maybe that's wanting to teach that class to kind of calm those parents down and kind of guide them to the right spot? Yes. <laughs> okay, so I I, <laughs> I wish people could see your face. Uh I apologize. <laughs> no, it's it's actually that's a really really great question and we get it all the time too like how do I get instant success on social media, right? Like that's the thing is how do I instantly succeed on social media and the the problem is and you know I'm going to avoid just saying this because like you can't do it, 
but so I think for the fun of this show, like, let's pretend, like, let's do it. Like, let's see what happens. Uh, I think there's like two, there's a formula, right? For, for growth, like number one's luck. So if you want instant success, you're going to have to get lucky because I don't know if you've been on Instagram recently. There are so, there's so many good photos on there. It's like, how do you even really stand out? So I think what, if you want to find instant success, you have to be doing things off of Instagram too like travel bloggers, for example, and all of these people you see that get paid to wear products and, and showcase products. Like they're not, they're not just on Instagram. Like they have a whole brand outside of it. They have a travel blog. They have a fashion blog. They do all these things outside of Instagram platform that allow them to, to quickly grow an audience on Instagram. The other way to do it is you just buy followers. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Cause it's totally, <laughs> totally do not bad. do that. Yeah. <laughs> but Hey, I mean, you know, people have bought followers in the past and, and been successful at it. We almost did it as an experiment at Buffer just to see what would happen. And we decided that it probably wouldn't be the best if we wanted to keep in good graces with Instagram. But I, I think just short of, I mean, you have to have some luck. You definitely have to have some luck to, to grow quickly. And then the formula that I was just talking about is that the second part is that you just have to be super consistent and you have to have something unique. Um, so that consistent content is for sure, for sure key. And then the unique part is that like, that's you, like, what do you bring to the Instagram or, or social media table that other people aren't bringing? And a lot of people are like, well, you know, I, I'm a travel blogger. It's like, okay, if you're a travel blogger, what kind of travel blogger are you? Cause there's 15 million travel bloggers on Instagram. Like, what is it about your traveling that people would want to follow? Or, you know, what is it about your health recipes that people would want to follow? And then it's just patience after that too. Like just short of luck, if you didn't, you know, you have to have patience. So it's consistent content. You have to be you and you have to have something unique and you have to be patient. Nice. Thank you so much for that. Um, so let's talk about Buffer real quick. Can I go into where you are now? Can you just kind of go through how you, what the you know application and interview process was for that job? And, or for that, did you start out as digital marketing specialist where you started out? And then uh, just kind of what your responsibilities are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, well, I was so just going to cool. also so I, maybe say like, just clarify what Buffer is for those of our listeners who don't know. Awesome. Would love to. Thanks for the opportunity to plug shamelessly. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> Buffer is uh, just a quick pitch is Buffer is a social media management platform. It allows you to schedule posts in advance, check your analytics, uh, and really it just allows you to have a consistently great social media presence. Uh, we have a couple of different tools published, which allows you to schedule reply, which allows you to monitor and respond to people on social media. And then an upcoming product is analyzed to, to analyze all of your social media posts. So that's a quick thing about Buffer. I think so looking back on kind of getting into Buffer as an employee, I was working at the university at, at the time, I was doing these different things. I had a website up and going, I was like blogging and just to like spoiler alert, I think it was that that's why I got the interviews because nowadays, as you both know, like you're literally side hustling as we talk right now, mm -hmm. um, is that you have to have sort of this career life and other career life. Like you, you can't just be passionate about one thing anymore. You have to have all these different things. And so my friend actually sent me the link to the job post when I, when I first started Buffer and he was like, Hey man, this is a really cool company. I don't know if you've heard of them. You should probably check them out. Anybody on the, the Buffer team who might be listening right now was actually using Hootsuite at the time. <laughs> Embarrassingly <laughs> enough. I'm familiar uh, with that app. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, I actually, so I was like, well, if I'm going to get an interview, I should probably start using Buffer. Turns out Buffer is I mean, nothing against Hootsuite. We love Hootsuite as well. I actually love Buffer a lot. It's like way simpler and it was just a cooler product and the culture was awesome and their company's awesome. So I was like, okay, this is, this is great. Let's interview. And the, the interview process took three months. I did a ton of different interviews with uh, Leo, the the chief marketing officer at the time. And yeah, it was a long process. And I, But I think ultimately what got me into this position where I am currently is what we just talked about. And that's sort of having this side hustle mentality. And, and it kind of showed that I was willing to go above and beyond, I think. Nice. And, and what are your responsibility as the digital marketing strategist? So currently I do a variety of things, which is why no day is the same, which is awesome, which I love. Um, so I think a typical day for me is uh, podcasting, social media, video creation, partnerships, and writing. So maybe not a typical day, like, but a typical week, that's sort of like how I approach it is like maybe a 20% split between all of those things. And it allows me to, to, to do a bunch of different fun things. And we're actually in the process of even maybe even building a little growth tool on the side too. So just doing like little experiments where I can, and then sort of focusing the majority of my time on proven channels that have worked for us. Uh, you mentioned partnerships as one of the things that you do. Uh, could you just touch on that a little bit more and give us more of an idea of what that means? Yeah, absolutely. And, and partnerships are, are some of my favorite things to do because I think 
they're super valuable. So what I mean by partnerships is teaming up with our peer companies. So companies like Animoto or Asana or, you know, like people in our space that aren't directly our competitors and just literally reaching out to them, to their marketing team and saying, Hey, like, do you want to do a co-blog post, maybe a co-webinar? Uh, let's create some social media content together. And then let's say, Hey, let's, let's do a full campaign around it. Hey, Buffer and Asana, Hey, we're teaming up on the skills that make a great marketing team. And we both email our list. And what that allows us to do is sort of expand our network into these spaces that are already established by companies that we know our audience would also like, and then that they, their audience would also like ours. Nice. I think, I think that's great. I know one thing that Daniel and I have been trying to do is just meet more podcasters in the LA area. Um, we recently had a host of uh, female empowerment uh, podcast on ours uh, that we're going to be releasing here in a little bit, but it's just great because we as podcasters get to learn from them mm-hmm. and their strategies and everything. But then we also get to maybe have some of their followers uh, check us out yeah. in the process. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. And I, I'm, I'm like almost convinced that today, if you're just starting out, the only real way to growth is that sort of partnership approach. If you, if like, if you're low on budget and you can't just spend a ton on, on advertising, there's, there's really only a couple ways you can build quickly because blogging takes a long time to build podcasting takes a long time to build organically. Like all these channels take organic time mm-hmm. partnerships in, are immediate. Like mm-hmm. if you partner up with a podcast, like you said, she's going to, he or she are going to share that. Hopefully if you do a good job with interviewing, which you both are great at it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. She'll share that with her audience, you know? So, right. so uh, let's kind of talk about the science of social media, the podcast that you co-host with Haley Griffith. How did that come about? Uh, and, and and can you talk about, I know you guys over the last few years have evolved the podcast from what it originally was to help kind of the growth of it. Um, so if you kind of talk about its origin, uh, how you came a part of it, and then how you evolved it to what it is today and how you've seen growth from that. Yes. Yes. Podcasting industry is a great one. So we I, love the we, podcast, we, by the way. I mean, we do yeah. like we listen to every episode. It's fantastic. Yeah. Like at, once we signed up with Buffer, we were like, wait, they also have a podcast. Yes. Subscribe. Subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> so we need more of you guys. We need more of you <laughs> in our world. Uh, no, it's great. We actually before I actually before we started the science of social media, we actually had another Buffer podcast called Culture Lab. And it was about sort of culture and work and, and that sort of thing. And it, it was great. We, it was just kind of it was our first try, I think. And, and it was a little difficult to get off the ground. And the topic was pretty niche. So we weren't necessarily like growing like we kind of hoped. So we're like, okay, well, we've sort of validated the channel in the sense that, yeah, this is like a future. And this was in 2015 that we started Culture Lab. Looking forward, we knew podcasting was going to be a channel of the future, if you will. And so 2016, early 2016, we're like, okay, we're going to start a, a social media podcast. Who's going to host? Uh, Brian, you, you're a social media manager. You probably make sense. Uh, and then it was like, oh, Haley is also sort of in that space. Why not you two join up? And then we sort of started diving in and, and anybody who started a podcast knows how much work goes into formulating the idea, putting together the episodes, getting the host. We're nodding wildly over here on this set. (laughs) Are we going to get guests for the podcast? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Is it going to be a sort of like guest interview format? Is it going to be a solo format? Like what is going to be the topic? And and so, yeah, we launched it in September, 2016. Um, You know, we got the initial spike of iTunes because they put us in the, like the feature category and then that died off. And then what we were left with were were the, the loyal people, right? The, The people that actually listened to the podcast and over time we've realized that podcasting offers us an opportunity to be in people's ears for 15, 20 minutes every single week. And you can't really necessarily measure the value of that versus like, I guess what I mean is, is that if you look at our blog traffic, Buffer's blog traffic, we get like a million and a half sessions per month. Podcasts, we get about 14,000 downloads a week. If you compare those, like the, there's not, you can't, like, it's hard to compare those. So what you have to do is say, okay, we're invested in the podcasting space because we know it's a good channel to be on. And uh, the people who listen to us for 15 minutes are exponentially more value than somebody skimming through a blog post. You know what I mean? So you sort of have to have this buy-in from the top down and this, this belief that podcasting is more valuable to actually stick with it. Because if you just looked at pure numbers, it would, it would drive you insane. And so over time, we still want to grow the show, obviously, but we've switched from interview format over to solo, sort of just Haley and I format to cut down the length because we've also found that there's 
people only listen to so many episodes per week. And the, 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 the 30 minute to hour space is dominated by big, big names. So there's not a lot of people in the 10 to 15 minute space. So we're trying to sort of dominate that space because we believe that 15 minutes is better than no minutes. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and like I said, it's it's been a really great idea and a great podcast just because you do share stuff when a new algorithm happens or you know you keep everybody updated on what's going on in this social media world. But I would say it's definitely worth going back to the interviews that you guys have done because there are some really great marketers that gave some really great thoughts and tips of how they've used – and usually it's focused on a certain theme of like how they used Facebook ads to grow their you know marketing or how they're the rebels and using blogs to you know whatever. So it's definitely worth going back, but I do like the format where you guys can just share information and tips and quotes that come out uh, as it goes on. Yeah, and also as an actor, it's so useful because so often, um, at least especially here in Los Angeles, social media is – it, it is part to your key of success. If you're to become the next Will Smith, uh, you have to know what to post and everything like that. And by listening to this weekly podcast, you're able to tune in and find out what strategies you can apply to your own personal career, your own hustle. Now, what do you, uh, you're working on a new thing right now called the Thinker Newsletter, basically to help people kind of expand their mind and think about new things and new ideas and new possibilities. How did that come about and what are your goals for that? So one of the, yeah, and I'm sure you both noticed that one of the trends over the last year or so are these like newsletters that almost act as content in themselves. So like the skim, you know, morning brew, the hustle, like all these seems like everybody nowadays does, they have a blog, they have a podcast and they have a newsletter. Like that's the next sort of pine, like frontier mm -hmm. in email marketing. So I was like, well, I should probably start a newsletter and see how it goes. And, and a lot of the newsletters are focused sort of on this newsy spin. So they'll be like, you know, uh, head insert headline here, insert witty interpretation of that story here. Like that's the general format. And I kind of wanted to start a newsletter to see what it was all about, but also not necessarily follow that format. And so the thinker newsletter is just stuff that gets you thinking. So like, we'll talk about things like, you know, how one part, one city in America back in the day used to drink radium because they thought it was like actually healthy for you. And, or we'll talk like my most recent one was about the gig economy and how being a freelancer isn't actually all it's cracked up to be. And just sort of topics like that, that are very sort of meta, uh, get you thinking and party it's dinner talk for on, on Fridays. So <laughs> nice. Now, is this part of a bigger plan for you or is this something that's kind of just independent solo? It's pretty much the newsletter that's just going to be kind of to do as a side hustle. Yeah, I think it's exactly that. And like we talked about earlier, it's just that sort of like expanding your interests sort of within your own personal brand and, and, taking advantage of channels that seem to be working while you can. Great. Now, I, you know, Michael is, we, is, is definitely been pushing and we've looked at um, doing a newsletter for our podcast eventually and having something, a subscription email list and stuff like that. Um, if you can, you know, what do you feel on a newsletter is important to make sure it stays, it stays relevant and it stays uh, to gain those followers? You know, what material should you include and how often do you think you should send out a newsletter? Good question. Number one, uh, I want to just quickly kind of circle. Number one regret that we, for me in the podcast, for Buffer's podcast is not starting a newsletter. So if you're thinking about it, I highly recommend it because five years from now, when you're looking back, you'll wish you had it. So I encourage you to do that. I think when, when you're actually talking about utilizing the newsletter for your audience and, and you have to, I think the thing is you can't just say like, we're going to use it to blast our message. Like mm -hmm. people are going to want other things from you that aren't what they're just going to find on the podcast. Like you can't, the newsletter can't just, and I'm sorry, I'm using your podcast as an example, <laughs> no, it's fine. but this is kind of like perfect. a bigger thought, Yeah, <laughs> but it is like sort of a bigger picture thought of that. It has to be something unique that people can't find elsewhere because if they wanted to find it elsewhere, they would go elsewhere. They're, they want to subscribe to your newsletter because they want something unique. So if, for example, with your podcast, maybe it's like exclusive behind the scenes bloopers or interviews or, um, you know, resources for people to continue to learn more based on what was talked about in the episode or um, maybe news in your industry or, or whatever it is. It has to be something unique um, because as you know, we're all flooded with emails every single morning. So I guess the thing is like, what, what's going to make people want to open your email versus something else? Right. Yeah. One of the things that we had talked about was making it a kind of a resource for LA. 
So having uh, featured job posts or featured living posts and like for people that are thinking about moving here, it's a resource for them to kind of get used to what it's like to live in L.A. and what's available. But then in the same token, if you're you are in Los Angeles, here are some things, some tips that you might not have discovered, Mm -hmm. like hole in the wall. Exactly. Right. Then that's a perfect way to think about it. Like you're already well ahead. Instead of saying like, we want to build a newsletter email list so that every time you release a new podcast episode, we can just send it to people. Like that's definitely not, that's definitely not going to work. No, absolutely. (laughs) I'm a podcaster. And and I was just wondering then, so uh, what would be a good strategy just, you know, on our end, just being selfish of this time? uh, Do you do like a monthly newsletter then? Because if you're wanting it not to be released on with every episode, do you just do a monthly newsletter and then slowly but surely as it becomes more routine, start to shift it to a biweekly or how often do you release it? I think there is something to be said for this sort of like building habits with your audience. And so whatever it is you decide to do, do make it a habit for them. So like morning brew is a good example. It's a, it's a sort of investment focused newsletter that I get every morning. And I think one of the reasons that them, the skim, you know, the hustle and all these newsletters have become popular is because they are a part of people's lives every day. It's hard to really build a loyal following based off a monthly newsletter or a weekly newsletter. Uh, my sure. like, thinker, thinker, for example, is weekly. And that's great. Like, I think weekly is probably bare minimum for newsletters. So I think that's just really interesting, though. Like, so as opposed to a weekly or a monthly newsletter, the key of like, you're trying to get people to listen to you every single day is to do a would you say maybe a smaller newsletter or something that's going to benefit that person every single day? Yeah, that's a really tough one. I think if I think about my own email habits, I'm not sure that I would necessarily like take on another daily newsletter. So I I think it's sort of like this rapid experimentation up front. Like maybe you start with a week long Mm -hmm. newsletter and then shoot somebody like a random one on a Monday and see what the open rate is. You know what I mean? Like I think with newsletters, you have to be experimenting a ton up front to figure out what people like. And then, then sort of like keep honing as you go along, just like with anything, social media, marketing, whatever it is, like rapid experimentation up front. I, I think that the danger is when you think like I have a monthly newsletter you know, uh, you know, this is what it is, this is what's going to be, this is the format every single week. And that's what, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm more of a fan of trying to, a bunch of different things up front and then figuring out what works as you go along. And, and that's so perfect because I remember just uh, going back to podcasting at the beginning, we were so set on releasing two episodes every week. And we, after a month of doing that, we were both just so burnt out and stuff. And then it was just taking a step back and thinking, wait a minute, this is our thing. We're not, you know, we don't have to appease higher ups or anything. This is our thing. And so we have the power to change and experiment and see what works best for our listeners. Exactly. And it's funny because we actually used to do two episodes a week when we first started as well. And like, we also had the interview style when we first started as well. And, you know, you are going to upset some people when you get rid of the interview, style, for example, with our podcast, but you're also going to grow in other ways. Like you can't grow unless you experiment. You're probably, you're going to stay stagnant you keep the same tactics. So like what you just said, you know, switching up, switching up the the amount of even just the, the cadence of your podcast, oftentimes mm-hmm. relieves stress on yourself and then also helps to get more people in your circle. Nice. I, I think, yeah, I think that's all really important. I think especially talking about like quick and, and, and trial and error at the beginning is really important. I know and being aware, self-aware that this didn't work. So let's try something else. This didn't feel right. This felt unnatural. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, you know, I don't want to talk about any more about social media because that's not why I brought you on here. <laughs> um, so just kind of going into social media, social media in general, as kind of a final kind of overall topic. How should someone look at social media to, from a to, from a branding standpoint? You know, what are the first steps, do you think, when you're like, I have a podcast, I have a travel blog, I have this, I'm going to get on Instagram or on Twitter, and I want to build that brand on that site. What's the first steps do you think personally they should go through? I love that question. And it's something we talk about in our Skillshare class and also on the podcast a lot. And that's, it's this idea that we've sort of like been theming through this whole time. It's like the idea of scrappiness. And I think a lot of people go into social media with this, this notion that if you have it perfect, people will follow and like our audience will grow. But in fact, it's actually the opposite. So if you look at BuzzFeeds and the the Tasties and like the, 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 the companies and brands that have like hundreds of, millions of followers on social media, like their accounts are ugly. 
Like those are not, the content isn't quote unquote beautiful, right? It's real and it's authentic and it's, it's dog videos and it's, it's recipes and it's real stories about real people. And I think that's sort of what I have learned. The biggest lesson for me, what thinking back on going into social media is that it's, you have to be willing to sort of ask yourself and be honest with yourself of like, why would people follow me? Cause I think a lot of people are like, Oh, we're this brand or I'm this person. Like, obviously people are going to follow me. Like I'm going to post the same content as everybody else on social media, but people are going to follow me when it's not the case. And I think that that's a common misconception with social media is that if you just post, like people will like the content and people will follow the content. At Buffer, we've learned that you have to be willing to experiment with a whole host of different content and types of things to find what works for you. Well, I was curious, um, as someone who has had to focus on his own social media and as an actor, you know, I'm not always acting every single day. And I think sometimes the struggle that many people fall in is that, oh, well, I'm not doing anything right now. I don't have a book that's being published or anything like that. What are things or ideas that people can post that supports their brand and still has their streams active even during the drier periods of one's career? Great question. I'm actually, I'll, I'll answer that in two ways because I think that's a very okay. interesting point that a lot of people, it's like this, I would say this is a common question brought up in social media. Like you have to post, right? And I think mm-hmm. nowadays, so I'm going to answer that one first and I'll go back to your question. Nowadays with the algorithms, you actually don't have to post that much in order to be successful. Like there's this, there's, uh, I forgot what the brand's called. I think it's like the onion or something like that. But they post like maybe once a month. But every time they post, it gets like 60,000 likes because they have this following. I think there's a common misconception that you have to post just to post. And actually, that is hurting your brand on social media because if you post just to post, that probably means that the content's not that good. However, I will say that I do like to post a lot because I think that being in front of people and having that brand awareness is actually a positive thing. But you have to not just post the post. So like you have to have both, right? You have to have good content and then you have to be consistent. If you're not going to have good content, just don't be consistent. So to be consistent and have something to post all the time, like one of my favorite strategies for social media is curating content. You don't have to create yourself, which is the best part. You get to share opinions and voices of other people, of people in your community, of other big brands. And honestly, since we started sort of taking this mindset of, oh, we don't actually have to post buffer stuff all the time. Awesome. Like, weight off the shoulders, sigh of relief, our engagement and our reach has gone up because I, you know, I was, I was at social media marketing world a few weeks ago and I was on an Instagram panel. I was talking about this exact same theory. And it's the fact that like for people to share your content is themselves putting them out there on your behalf, which is really hard to do. It's hard to get somebody to share your brand because essentially they're saying like, Hey, I believe in this person or I believe in this company. And that's like a public thing. One of the things I, I really like that uh, you guys post is a lot of sometimes some, not personal, but like personal business information. Like one of my favorite posts that I think you did was like sharing your normal day, like what your daily routine is. And you had it broken down like from nine to 10, I check emails and from like this to this, I do this. And I thought that was really fascinating. And it actually helped me because I knew like if I emailed you, I know when to, I'm probably going to get a response. <laughs> and like, oh, this is when he checks email. So if, if I don't hear a response right now, that's why. Um, what are, you know, where do you, think, especially in a professional environment or a branding environment, where's the line between personable and business? I love that question. We actually uh, just released on the science of social media. We talked about this idea of storytelling. And the reason that you, Daniel, love my posts, and I'm just guessing here, but I think it's because you felt that way. You know what I mean? Like you felt like, oh, everybody has a busy day. This is how he breaks up his schedule, kind of similar to mine, but maybe I have something different. Like you felt that. And I think Mm -hmm. that is why we're seeing such a dramatic shift for brands to move towards this human approach is because they're starting to realize that people weren't feeling anything with brand content like previously. What people are now, when you put a face behind a brand or you, if you're transparent, I guess is a good, a good word for it. If you, if you talk about the struggles of, of being a brand or being a company or being an entrepreneur, that's when people actually feel something and that's when they actually care. Um, and I think I honestly would go as far as saying that there's not, I don't even think there's too far these days. Now, where it gets tricky is if you don't have the right person as the brand. So you got to be careful, of course, like who you're getting to represent your brand. Uh, but I, I think that, Yikes. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but I think that there's no such thing as, as too human these days. 
Oh, nice. Um, I know you have to go soon, so I want to kind of start wrapping it up a little bit. Do you have any advice for, uh, you know, Insta story? That's a big thing in video or the two big things really coming up in, in, in 2018 and social media. You know, for those that don't have the studio with the production crew to film long segments with interviews with big celebrities or whatever, how do you suggest people utilize video and Insta stories if they're kind of, it's just them or just them and another person that's part of their team? What are your suggestions for that? Yeah, I love that question. And I think, I think there's a few ways to approach it. And I think one of the ways taken from Gary Vee is this idea of sort of this documentation approach. And there's, it's been done successfully a lot now. And I think that's kind of where we're moving with video. Even Mark Zuckerberg recently said like one day the feed's going to be all stories, right? We're not actually going to have a feed anymore. It's going to be these sort of like short story format type of content. And I think thinking forward and preparing ourselves for that, you have, yeah, you, you got to learn how, how to document, like taking a selfie at a coffee shop isn't necessarily documenting. You know what I mean? You have to almost storyboard out your day in order to find out what part of your day you want to tell the story about. Because I think a lot of times people are like, oh, my life's not interesting. It's like, well, it's the it's the not interesting part. I know even we had this conversation, Daniel. It was like, mm-hmm. your life is interesting. You have to know how to portray it. Like that's what social media is. Mm-hmm. It's a total facade. If you look at someone's feed, it's not like they're in Bali every four seconds. Like they took a hundred <laughs> pictures of Bali one time. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I think it's learning how to storyboard out your life and, and showcasing the behind the scenes sort of grind, the entrepreneurial spirit uh, that, that is, will be successful. And you just have to like, just do it because it takes practice. And, and Gary V has a team of 15 people behind him. So maybe don't take him as an example, but almost it's like, yeah, you're storyboarding your life as you go. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, uh, kind of a, the final question, do you have any th- uh, suggestions for books, tips, uh, apps, um, uh, blogs, podcasts that people should check out or read uh, to help enhance their knowledge of social media and what they can do? Yes, absolutely. That's a great, great question. I, I think, so we have a blog up on, on our, or sorry, we have an article up on our blog, on the Buffer blog called Top 20 Social Media Tools You Should Try in 2018. I think my number one tip is outsource everything you possibly can. So if you're making Instagram stories and you want to make them look cool, don't try to open up Adobe After Effects and do your own thing. Use something like Fast Story or Crello or, or Canva to, to outsource that sort of work. And so use tools as much as you possibly can. I think um, there's a lot of great resources in the social media space. One of the one of the ones I love is Jay Bear's Utility Book. Utility, one word. And he basically talks about how you are your social media as a person like being sort of treating social media as a platform to educate, entertain, and inspire people. And the other one is one of my favorites, and it probably sounds like I'm a Gary Vee fanatic, but he does have some good perspectives of jab, 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 right hook. Great book. Um, talks about how, um, you know, like sort of like what we've been talking about the whole time is don't put all your eggs in one basket. It's essentially like these little tiny jabs all day long, and you're just getting in front of people as much as you possibly can until you actually have something bigger, like the launch of a podcast or the launch of a newsletter that you've built up this trust and following with people over time to where you can actually ask them for something. If you try to ask up front, you're going to fail. So sort of this approach of little by little sort of building trust and loyalty over time until you have this great audience. Right. And I meant to ask this earlier real quick. I'm so sorry. Um, any tips for Instagram lives? That's a big thing that's kind of growing now. You know, any suggestions to how to make that relevant and consistent? Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm actually really intrigued with Instagram live and Facebook live recently, especially since basically their head of newsfeed, Adam Oseri said, do live their Facebook is telling us to do live. So we should probably listen to them if we want to see success. I think with live, it's interesting because now you can have the multi people on live, which is really cool. It's you're doing one of two things. You either have a guest on where you have somebody cool on your podcast or on, on your Instagram live and you're talking, you're sort of just spit, shooting the shit and you have like the back and forth or you have, it's a very educational or entertaining in nature sort of Instagram live and you're trying to teach people about something and they want to sort of show up to, to watch it. Uh, this is a really random example. But one of my favorite Instagram lives of all time is John Mayer actually went live a few weeks ago and he did this 20, like this 45 minute guitar lesson. And you're like, holy crap, like, you know, a great guitar player just essentially sat people down and gave them a guitar lesson for 45 minutes. You're not going to find that elsewhere. Yeah. So you, and, and obviously you don't, you're not John Mayer as a brand, but you are a brand that has something to teach. And I think that's, what's valuable. 
you know, you know, there's there's a lot of different services where you can do like streaming video, Twitch and YouTube and things like that. And I know I I just started following a YouTuber named uh, by the name of Jack's Films, and he just started doing Twitch. Where on his Twitch, he actually basically videotapes or shows him preparing the videos. So he does a lot of like uh, Photoshop based bits and a lot of music composition bits. And so he did a Twitch yesterday, which was him composing music for his next video and he kind of goes through his process and his creative process and i thought that for twitch i hadn't seen that it's usually you know a gamer platform and things like that so i thought that was fascinating idea to take that brand and do it that way absolutely and even just like giving people an uh behind the scenes look at you creating a podcast episode or teaching them how to how you do your instagram lives even almost alive within a live stream yeah it's like these yeah exactly it's like what are you trying to get people to feel right you want them to going back back to that storytelling ideas you want people to you're showing the hustle of what it takes to actually do something because all social media is this facade where we're like well they must have a perfect life and you know they go to bali every four seconds but on the the reality is, is that they're probably in los angeles most of the time and then they go go to Bali and they take a bunch of pictures, but like showing that and giving people like this realization that, yeah, like it is, it's normal to be normal sort of thing. And, um, yeah. So I think, yeah, the behind the scenes look is always a great idea. So just any final advice for anybody thinking about getting into digital marketing or, uh, the social media, you know, manager, uh, coordinator field, any advice to them on what they should learn or what's important to know before they get into it? Yeah. I think for me, what's helped me is sort of, always try to strive for both soft and then technical skills. So soft skills being like the communication skills, being able to present yourself well, being able to sell yourself, what is valuable about you. So I think that could, that obviously applies to any sort of job field. When it comes to digital marketing, we're moving towards a lot of this technical sort of knowledge, right? So you, these days you can't just know how to write. You have to know how to write. That's going to get ranked in Google. You can't just know how to podcast. You have to know how to podcast, edit the podcast, and then ship the podcast. You can't just know how to film a video because you look pretty. You have to know how to film a video, edit the video, and then also make sure the video is going to get shares on social media. So I think if you're moving into the digital marketing space, teach yourself as much technical skills as you possibly can because the more technical you are, the more invaluable you will be for a business because everybody can write. You know, like if you really tried, you could write a blog post, but not everybody can write a blog post that's going to rank them in Google or that's going to get shares on social media. So I think that technical skill aspect is huge. Oh, fantastic. That's awesome. That is actually really good advice. Nate, and yeah. not that I thought you would give us terrible advice, but that's really good advice. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Uh, before we kind of wrap up, where can people find you if they want to follow you on, on Instagram or Twitter or if they want to follow so- Science of Social Media? You know, where can they, they find Brian and the stuff he does? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm all over the Buffer blog at blog.buffer.com. I also have my own personal website at briangregpeters.com, and that's where you can find the newsletter. And then, of course, if you want to continue to listen to my voice over, over air, uh, check out the science of social media. And that's pretty much just buffer podcast. So nice. And, uh, you know, like I said, guys, the science of social media is a fantastic podcast. We both, me and Michael both highly suggest it and follow their blogs, follow them on Twitter. Uh, we try to do the buffer chat every week as much as possible. You can just learn other people's thoughts and opinions on different types of parts of social media. They do a different kind of theme every week and, and they do it twice. So you always have a chance to, to get to it. And it's, it's been really valuable to me and I've actually really enjoyed just sharing our process on that as well. And also just please check out buffer.com because we use it and it is really essential to how Daniel and I approach social media with building our brand as we're discovering it week by week, um, episode by episode, but it, it, it takes so much stress off of our minds when we know that we can use that. So there's a free plug for buffer. (laughs) It's super affordable. Yes. Gentlemen, thank you very much for that plug. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so finally, something we do on here, I started doing this with a radio show I used to host. Um, before Facebook and after Friendster, there was a little space that a lot of people went to hang out called MySpace. It was very boring. People had, you know, what if God was one of us playing on the background of their profile? And if you weren't in their top six or top eight, you weren't friends. And one of the th- main staples of MySpace were 
quizzes that meant nothing, went nowhere, and were really just for you. There was no results at the end like they do with BuzzFeed and stuff now. It was literally you filled this quiz out, maybe posted on your profile, and it was just there. Um, I found one of those quizzes. It's a 167-question qu- uh, quiz. And before we started, Brian, I asked you to pick six numbers between 1 and 167, and those correlate with questions on this quiz. And you have not seen any of these questions, correct? Nice. No, I have not. <laughs> so these questions need no explanation. That's the best part about it. It's yes, no, one word answers, and we move on because that's what this thing was. There was not a lot of explanation, and I want to keep it that way. So, Brian G. Peters, are you ready for your MySpace quiz? I am so ready for this. I'm so glad I miss MySpace. Just, just. <laughs> and, and, and before we start, I'm just really excited that we have a like social media guru on taking questions from a MySpace quiz <laughs> and saying this how is, much he misses MySpace. <laughs> this is incredible. This is great. <laughs> All right. Cool. Number one, do you want or have any pets? Yes. There we go. <laughs> this is what's great about this. What is your relationship status? Married. <laughs> Are you male or female? Female. No, just kidding. Male. No. Have you ever been to Hawaii? Yes. Did you ever fail a driver's test? No. And Brian, your final question for your MySpace quiz, which has shared everyone everything about you. Have you ever ridden in an ambulance? No, I actually have not. And that's Brian's MySpace quiz. <laughs> oh, you, you, you should, Brian. They're, they're a lot of fun. I can say from personal experience. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> Mine was not real, though. His was real. I was doing it for a shoot. <laughs> oh. I, well, I've done one where I played an EMT for a film. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I've also had to be in an ambulance. <laughs> Well, thank you, Brian. I hope you enjoyed that. That's one of my favorite things to do because it's just so nonsensical and it's literally just, yep. And you move on. (laughs) I loved it. Well, thank you for playing that with me. I'll do that again anytime. (laughs) Well, thank you, Brian, for being on. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. We know how busy you are. And it's just been a pleasure talking. You're literally one of the nicest guys I think I've met through this podcast. And so it's been just an honor just to getting to know you and get to know a little bit more about you. Yeah. And also, just thank you so much. I mean, we're, you know, two guys with a podcast in Los Angeles. And the fact that you and, you know, Buffer have been so helpful of guiding us and giving us tips as as we continue our journey and stuff has been very, very valuable. So thank you so much. It is my pleasure. And, and I got to give a quick shout out to the Buffer team who are working around the clock to make sure that we get people like you in our community. So thank you so much for saying that. It validates what we're doing. And it was my pleasure to be on the podcast. It was, it was a really fun time. So, Well, thank you so much and have a great rest of your day and a great weekend. <laughs> you as well. Thank you. Bye, Brian. <laughs> Bye. And, we are- and we're out.